Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello, my name's Nigel Watson. I'm a GP and I'm the Chief Executive of Wessex LMCs. And I'm here today with Dr. Sanjay Patel, who's a consultant in Southampton and one of the leads for the Healthier Together. Hello, Sanjay. Can you tell us a bit about what, what's your role in Healthier Together and actually as a paediatrician? So my real day job is that I'm a paediatric infectious diseases consultant at Southampton Children's Hospital. Uh, and I've been in post since about 2010. But uh, soon after starting, I got quite interested in systems and, um, and actually how we uh, bring together working between uh, the various parts of the health service. Um, a part of that was because of my interest in infections and how we manage them and antibiotic stewardship and antibiotic resistance. And what I saw very quickly is that inconsistent advice and management really does drive parental anxiety, drives health-seeking behaviour. And if a, a patient gets to a healthcare professional, there's a pretty decent chance they're going to be prescribed antibiotics. And the converse of that is if they don't go to a healthcare professional, they're not going to get antibiotics. So that's kind of one of the starting points for me, you know, with this, uh, this big programme called Healthier Together. So, uh, I mean, I think that would chime with many GPs because, you know, the, the pressure I've known during my career when people are in front of you, they, they want a prescription and they want antibiotics. And I think we've done quite a lot of uh, work over the last few years to try and reduce that and look at the difference between viral and bacterial stuff. Um, so the Healthier Together, that, that, that sort of came out of this concept of working with patients and giving patients information. And, you know, for anybody that's listening to this podcast who might be outside Wessex, uh, it's really well worth looking at the Healthier Together website because there's a huge amount of information in there for patients and parents, um, which I think is simple, easy to read and really practical, which I presume is what your initial aim for some of that was to share it as widely as possible. Yeah, I think the aims of the programme were, were exactly that. It was to bring consistency in the way that we communicate messages to, uh, to parents and to young people. But it was also to foster and forge relationships between healthcare professionals in different bits of what we call the system. And although the system is really one system in the eyes of a parent, it's, uh, it's unfortunately a number of different providers in the, uh, in the eyes of the way the system is stacked. And so uh, my father uh, recently retired as a GP and he recounts stories of knowing the paediatricians in his hospital and uh, knowing lots of other GPs in the area and, and stuff like that. And I think the last 10 years and the various um, reconfigurations uh, of the health service have, have to some extent eroded some of those relationships between primary and secondary care. And part of this was that if we know each other, and we like each other, we're going to be able to get some really good stuff done in terms of quality improvement and models of care and all that stuff that actually translates to improved care being delivered to patients. And deep down, that's all we want. So clearly your father is a very wise man, which you probably knew anyway, and he's probably told you that. But he is right. You know, I can, you know, in my career, I can see the gap between hospital and general practice has widened, which has caused issues for both hospitals and general practice and more importantly for the patients who can fall between those gaps so trying to bring that together and uh, I think relationships and trust are two key issues if you've got that relationship and you know people it, it can be really helpful okay so we've we've sort of developed the stuff for, for patients and then the healthcare professionals so 
as an LMC, we've been working with you over the last couple of years. So we, we've done a number of initiatives, including some of the education events. So do you want to just talk about what we achieved up to now in terms of that sort of joint learning and breaking those barriers down? Yeah, we, I, mean, I think that trying to um, get buy-in and to um, promote or educates it's challenging we get so many messages from different places on our very congested emails that um although we started the whole of the program in a sort of co-design manner getting uh, big surveys sent out to gps and to frontline uh, hospital professionals in ed and pediatrics as well as hundreds of parents around the region um after developing the website and we struggled, I would say, initially to really promote it in primary care, despite going to target meetings and you very kindly sending out emails. And we recognized that through our website hits. And deep down, we knew that um, the, uh, the key way to get parents to trust the Healthier Together resources and the program would be from role modeling from healthcare professionals. And clearly, GPs are a hugely trusted group of professionals by parents. So we recognized and worked together with, with, with you and colleagues at the LMC to um, deliver training on pediatrics to primary care staff. This was one of the asks that came out of the original survey in 2012. And to base that teaching on the clinical pathways that we've developed. And those clinical pathways essentially mirror processes in primary care and secondary care so that parents don't perceive a difference by going to hospital. Um, And in our first year, we focused on the bulk of presentations you get for children. So that's the under fives with common things like fevers, coughs, colds, respiratory distress, abdo pain, um, et cetera. You know, that was the uh, rashes. That was the, the focus of year one. And it's just fascinating to see the impact of that. So we've collected a lot of metrics uh, through a, a big dashboard of uh, primary care data and secondary care data. And we've shown on the back of the, that education program, website hits have gone up uh, about fivefold. And more importantly and encouragingly, primary care presentations have dropped as a result of that. Admissions to hospital have dropped. And even when we compare that to... Um, national trends you know Wessex has really led the way with this kind of work um, but for exciting that for year two we're going to focus on more chronic pathologies so some okay. of the stuff where real collaboration between primary and secondary care is important so we're going to uh, we're going to deliver some workshops on asthma that's both acute and, and, and chronic asthma management on constipation on eczema headaches and mental health that, that sounds really interesting because the the first phase of the education if we say i mean we had really good attendance at the courses were always fully booked and people were asking for more so that proved really popular with gps and practice nurses um and uh i think we probably shouldn't forget those things because um you know there's a a new cohort of people coming through and you know those messages keep need to be reinforced but i i also think it's important that we do look at some other conditions as well so that sounds um really exciting the you you talk about what we've done regionally so let me just broaden that out a bit because two two things that i'm aware of um one is that we've developed these pediatric hubs which i think sort of link into that bringing things together 
the knowledge, the knowledge transfer, but the mutual support. And then the bit that we've done about um, other people around the country are not only looking at Healthier Together, wanting to adopt it, but we've also got um, accreditation or um, approval from the Royal College, the BMA, the Royal College of Paediatricians, as well as the Royal College of GP. So there's, there's quite a lot of national focus on the work that's being done, which is really good because I think it reinforces that this is very valuable, um, as you say, for individual GPs, for the system, um, for the hospitals, but also, most importantly, our patients and our parents. Yeah, I think that um, it was the, the quality of the resources we've collaborated, collaboratively developed uh, across Wessex has definitely been recognised nationally because uh, as part of the COVID response. So we, we know that uh, one of the concerns raised at the start of this pandemic was that uh, there was a huge drop in footfall uh, for children. And there were concerns raised that were children with serious illnesses just being, you know, were they languishing at home? Uh, fortunately, that hasn't happened and data that we've collected nationally you know really doesn't suggest that children have been uh, you know sick children being kept at home but we have a real opportunity i think what we have seen is that we've managed to uh, we've, we've seen a big drop in footfall for for children and yet harm hasn't come to children so if we can reinforce some of that and take some of those messages and some of that muscle memory for parents who have probably been living with more anxiety than previously, but the concern about going to a healthcare setting has trumped their anxiety about their child and through the resources that they have available through the safety netting green resources red amber green i think parents have felt more confident to manage their children at home and i think um, what is really exciting is that the work we've done has been recognized nationally and, and other bits of the country other stps and ics's are, are taking the whole of our program you know it's freely available for anyone to implement locally and um, are implementing it locally so that's in sheffield that's going to be in south wales potentially the northeast of england potentially south london there, there are many places around the country that have shown a great interest in this and um, I think that is, it's a testament to the work that's been done by us as a group of professionals who have collaborated in, uh, across Wessex. And just, just to tell me a bit more about the red, green, amber. Uh, I mean, I've seen this and know what you're talking about, but people listening to this might not. What, what, so if you look up a particular condition, what does the red, green, amber tell, tell the GP or the other healthcare professional that's looking at it? Well, it, it tells, it's a form of stratifying severity of illness and signposting to appropriate places. So uh, the reason we're so keen on this is that relatively early on in our uh, program, we worked with some qualitative researchers from the University of Winchester to get them to do some really detailed interviews with parents uh, about the resources we produced. And the overwhelming response was how much they, uh, they, uh, liked the red amber green criteria so they found them incredibly helpful and it means that you know in an ideal world a parent will um, look at a parent page first and it will be red amber green and they may well uh, have some uh, some amber features they'll then go to the gp who uses exactly the same red amber green, green criteria to have uh, a conversation you know that, that principle of shared decision making and through that use and access to the same resources there's trust generated, there's clear safety netting, and there's, a, there's a confidence for the healthcare professional that if the child does deteriorate, the parent's got access to very clear information about what those red features are that should mandate a going to hospital or coming back to the GP. 
I have to say, I found using it very reassuring when I looked up because I, I, th I think over, you know, our, our careers, children, you know, from enjoying seeing children as a, as a GP, it can be quite frightening as well. And, and, you know, the anxiety level in us as a GP when you see a child who doesn't look terribly well, but using those um, red, green, amber that, that is on the Healthier Together it sort of gives you that reassurance and knowing that you can say that this, this is where we're sitting in this, um, see how things go. If things get worse, I'll see you again, you know, later on today or contact us if there's a problem. I mean, you used the word safety netting earlier and I think that's absolutely critical in all, all aspects of work we do as clinicians is um, always having that safety netting. You know, we've got time at, uh, often, you know, if see how things go is, is not a bad way of doing things. Um, unless you've got the red flag symptoms. Yeah, and I think it's also had, going back to my original um, driver for setting up this program, if you look at our antibiotic prescribing rates in Wessex, it's just extraordinary data. We are now the lowest prescribers of antibiotics to children in the whole country. And if you look at our trajectory, I mean, everywhere in the country has dropped their antibiotic prescribing for children. And that's mainly on the back of the, uh, the flu vaccine campaign, which is now from between children age two all the way up to, um, to 12. Uh, so there is a natural trend, but when you compare our rates to those in the country, we've seen a far steeper drop. And that is because um, by having clarity, both in terms of empirical antibiotic prescribing that regenerated uh, across the region, but access to those resources that uh, can be shared with parents, I think uh, professionals and prescribers are, feel more confident, confident in holding that risk, knowing that if the child deteriorates, they will come back. So with COVID, is it at the moment, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you would encourage GPs to um, promote flu vaccination for children, um, although um, in the past we've only got 50%, particularly this year it's important we get children vaccinated. Yes, yeah, so I think that with the schools programme, rates are much higher because uh, the default then is your child has it. You don't have to do anything, they're having it at school anyway. So um, from reception all the way up to... Um, uh, up to 12 years of age, I think that's that's fine. I think that the um, the two and three year olds, uh, so the preschool children, I think we've got to do a really big push, and um, we are generating some resources. Um, we're hoping to do something nationally on that, and we're working with our public health teams to really get those messages out. But I agree, it's going to be fundamentally important because, uh, as we know, if anyone presents with a, a flu-like illness, you'll tick the criteria for COVID and you'll immediately have to self-isolate along with your whole family. And you'll have to get tested and wait for that testing to come back. And that's going to be hugely disruptive for children's education uh, from September onwards. Yeah, and I see it as a real challenge for general practice when we're, you know, we're trying to deal with routine stuff and then we get the COVID stuff come and, you know, with the normal winter viral infections presenting with pyrexia, I absolutely agree with you. So we need to protect the super spreaders and get them vaccinated. Um, let me just take you back to the uh, winter programme. So um, we're going to start the, the next phase of these education events. Um, they'll be advertised shortly. Presumably, quite a lot of them will be virtual until we get out of the COVID um, period. Yeah, indeed. I think um, we can't have face-to-face -face meetings at the moment. We, we are ex unfortunately expecting uh, a second surge or at least an uplift in, in, in cases in uh, October onwards, potentially. So they're all provisionally booked as uh, online Zoom um, 
meetings, they'll still be highly effective because we can still run interactive workshops and all sorts. Uh, they, they, they're based on uh, the new pathways we've developed in the last 12 months. Um, and I think they will hopefully be hugely valued by primary care staff. I mean, the feedback, as you said, from round one last year was just exceptional. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, uh, our experience so far is that doing some of this stuff online, although it's quite useful, or people like networking and talking to others, Actually, there are people who like booking onto a course where they can do it from home or from the surgery and log on. And, um, you know, I think the, the virtual format works really well. So, you know, going into the future, it may be, you know, certainly we're looking at having a sort of mixed economy of some face-to-face meetings and some that are online uh, because it suits different people. Um, right, that's really helpful, Sanjay. Is there anything else you, uh, you want to say um, before we finish this uh this conversation no i'd just like to thank uh, you personally nigel and and your colleagues at the lmc i think this has been so collaborative from the beginning and to have such uh, great working with primary care has meant that we i don't i think without it we wouldn't have achieved what we've achieved with the program no i thank you for all the work you've done and it's a pleasure to be involved in it um i i can see not only from the data that i've seen you present about the difference it makes um, but I've also seen uh, firsthand with patients what difference it makes. So I think it's, uh, you know, you, you should be commended for all the work you've done. And I think the, the accolade to the programme is that other people want to copy it. You know, that's the greatest form of flattery, isn't it? Or whatever the, the famous quote is. But yeah. OK, I, I look forward to continuing to work with you. Um, and thank you very much for your time today. Take okay. care. Thank you. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.